0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: It is the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool is waiting for you. Thanks for being here. We have definitely bad and bad martinis to start off. We'll decide if the last one is good or crazy as we get closer to the end here. The story is still in flux, so started out as... Crazy, then it was edging more towards good, and now it's uh, trending back towards crazy. So hopefully there'll be some clarity by the time that we actually get to it towards the end of the podcast. We're grateful to announce that we have two podcast sponsors today. We are sponsored by Acre Gold as well as Bluevine. And uh, Jim, without any further ado, let's get to the first bad martini. And the idea that uh, China has been a major problem as it relates to COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it has been known for some time. They muzzled their doctors who tried to blow the whistle on it months ago. Uh, They reprimanded them. A couple of them even died. Now, of course, they're trying to blame the U.S. military for launching the virus inside China, and that's obviously not true. But now we've got even more evidence. This is from the Times of London. Chinese laboratories identified a mystery virus as a highly infectious new pathogen by late December last year, but they were ordered to stop tests, destroy samples, and suppress the news, a Chinese media outlet has revealed. A regional health official in Wuhan, the center of the outbreak, demanded the destruction of the lab samples that established the cause of unexplained viral pneumonia on January 1st. China did not acknowledge that there was human-to-human transmission until more than three weeks later. Now, I might say this name wrong, but the detailed revelations by Cakes and Global, a respected independent publication, provide the clearest evidence yet of the scale of the cover up in the crucial early weeks when the opportunity was lost to control the outbreak. Censors have been rapidly deleting the report from the Chinese Internet. So, uh, Jim, when you look at their lame attempts at blaming the United States, when you look at how they muzzled their own people and now you get revelations like this. It's pretty clear that China is a major bad guy in this whole saga. Yeah, and it's surprising that this is striking such a
0: uh, controversial note with some people. I have a corner post written up earlier today which kind of observes that I I think we headed into this crisis with certain people having a certain, if not a narrative in their head, that almost like grooves that mentally, that once they slide into it, they can't get out of that groove. And one of them was, uh, well, Trump is xenophobic, uh, uh, Trump is, is paranoid, Trump is overstating these things, uh, and that anything that, you know, Trump says about China is, is paranoid and demonizing them and such like that. Um, look, you know, as many people have observed, for the first couple of weeks of this, we were referring to it as the Wuhan virus. I, I made a reference the other day to the Chinese coronavirus, and a good friend of mine uh, reached out and said she liked it, but she asked, why did you call it the Chinese coronavirus? And not just simply the coronavirus. And I was like, well, because the Chinese government is currently trying to blame, uh, claim this was an act of bioterrorism by the United States or that the U.S. military is behind this. Once they start doing that, it becomes a lot more important to be specific about where this virus came from. And the news yesterday, they're kicking out all American reporters from Reuters, The Associated Press, Time Magazine, uh, etc., indicates that they now they, they now realize the fact that American news agencies can report in China with, uh, apparently in their minds, insufficient uh, uh, imposition from the Chinese government, means they can no longer afford the fact that possibly some Chinese will talk to international reporters. They are clamping down on this. I think they see what's coming down the pike, that the Chinese, through their wet markets uh, and through their, which people have been warning was a, you know, just a perfect stew uh, of potential viruses for, for years, throw on the example of, of all, as you did laid out all the cases ways in which they tried to impede public informing the public about it. They told the doctors to shut up about it. They had apparently about five million people leave the Wuhan area before the quarantine went into effect. Um, China mismanaged this, bobbled this, and tried to cover it up at pretty much every step of the way until it was too late to do anything serious to stop it from spreading all around the globe. They can see the reckoning that's coming their way, and they think the only way that they can avoid this is to put in, oh, create sufficient doubt in people's minds about whether this really originated in China or whether the sinister United States of America was behind it. That's what we're pushing back against. Um, The president is completely right on this one. That's not something I say very often. I've had a lot of beefs with how he's handled the coronavirus since the beginning. But in this circumstance, not only, I think we're reaching the point where it's no longer legitimate to call it the Chinese coronavirus. I think it's turning into a priority to call this the Chinese coronavirus, lest anyone come to any, you know, um, that Chinese propaganda gain any traction. Now, The other day, apparently, a Chinese-American, I think it was a CBS News correspondent, said that an administration official had called it the Kung Flu to her face. And if you can't grasp why that might offend her, uh, I think you need to go back to to elementary school and learn how to play nice with others. There is a line between pushing back against Chinese uh, government propaganda and demonizing Chinese people or Asian-Americans or or Asians in, in general for heaven's sake, don't go out and be mean to people of Asian heritage. Like, I, I can't, I, there's almost no point in me saying this, and this is my point to my friend who was complaining, who expressed concern about anti-Asian bias or, or Chinese-Americans being unfairly demonized uh, over this crisis. Look, it's not the Chinese delivery guy who who caused this. It's not the the folks running the Chinese restaurant down the street or your coworkers or friends or neighbors who are responsible for this, the Chinese government's fault for this. I think, you know, and as for the concern about us using this phrase, whether it could set off some, you know, racist uh, maniac somewhere, racist maniacs are going to do what racist maniacs going to do. They don't sit around waiting for other people to use particular phrases to set them off. So uh, look, you'd use a little bit of judgment here. Don't, uh, don't broadly, you know, demonize whole groups of people, but it is entirely legitimate. Uh, for people to point the finger at the Chinese government for their early responses, and in fact, I think that as this goes on, uh, more and more important to co- to let the truth on this come out and not let the Chinese uh, successfully execute a cover up
1: well, there clearly needs to be a reckoning here the The world should be demanding answers from China right now. We may want to hold off just a little bit so we make sure they actually produce and send the medications we 're going to need to treat a lot of folks who come down with coronavirus, but there needs to be a reckoning soon and Hopefully it will be soon because uh, it'll mean that we've gotten past the worst of this virus. But uh, as we mentioned earlier, Jim, we want to thank Acre Gold for sponsoring this episode. We've talked about a lot in the last several weeks. Obviously, there is a ton of uncertainty in the market. So this is something really timely. Uh, We're introducing Acre, which is the new subscription platform for gold. Acre lets you make small monthly payments and then sends gold straight to your doorstep every few months. Don't break the bank. Start buying gold for just $50 a month and watch
0: your gold grow. Acre will keep you updated on your gold stash as you make progress. Once your gold stash reaches the price of a 2.5 gram Acre Gold bar,
1: they will discreetly ship you your gold. Easy, safe, and secure. For more information, go to getacregold.com slash martini or by clicking on the link in our show notes and start your Acre Gold subscription today. Make sure you go to our URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar for the month of March. To win, listeners can tweet why they should win and mention at get underscore Acre to win the free gold. For details, go to getacregold, that's G-E-T-A-C-R-E-G-O-L-D, dot com slash martini, slash martini and look for the link in our listener notes. All right, Jim, let's talk about our second bad martini now, and this one could easily be crazy. Hat tip to Noah Rothman over at Commentary for putting together this Twitter thread on Tuesday. And basically what we're seeing now is major cities uh, like Philadelphia deciding they're just not going to arrest people for many, many different crimes. Uh, In his tweet, Rothman says, the city of Philadelphia holds all arrests related to narcotics, theft, burglary, vandalism, prostitution, stolen cars, fraud, and existing bench warrants. Uh, He links to the Philadelphia Inquirer, which points out that Philadelphia courts closed until April 1st to limit the spread of the coronavirus. And so the police commissioner there, Danielle Outlaw, has notified commanders that police will be delaying arrests for all those sorts of crimes. Now, in addition to that, you've got a lot of major cities now also trying to empty the jails in an effort to limit the spread of the coronavirus. For example, in New York City, The Department of Corrections issued directions here saying, quote, significantly fewer people in jail will limit the spread of COVID-19 infection among people in custody and those who work in the jails, minimize the number of people in custody who will need medical care, decrease the density of housing areas for people who remain in jail, and allow New Yorkers to maintain connections with and support from their loved ones. They also prioritize getting out of jail people who are over 50, people who have underlying health conditions. Uh, administrative prisoners, people there for parole violations or failing to appear in court, and finally anyone serving a year or less. So, uh, Jim, I would think what you've done ought to be a fairly high priority here. But even more than that, just letting people out of jail or just deciding not to arrest people is insane, especially when people are already on edge with this crisis. Greg, when I saw that, my first thought was if you're participating in the services of a prostitute
0: how on earth are you social distancing? I mean, you got worries about disease to begin with. <laughs> Remind the fact that there's this uh, apparently very contagious virus floating around. Look, I am not surprised in the slightest if a lot of police forces across the country are looking at this and reprioritizing, right? I mean, ideally, hopefully, there's a lot fewer people on the streets, so you're dealing with fewer traffic accidents, fewer petty crime. You know, you can't be a purse snatcher if nobody's walking around with purses anymore. Um, so I, I'm not surprised the police forces would want to rethink, okay, we're entering a, a you know, really unusual set of circumstances and a crisis. What do we really need to prioritize? What do we really need to worry about uh, for keeping public order? And maybe some of those things on that list, you know, maybe car thefts, maybe... Uh, uh, you know, all of your petty crimes, okay, you know, particularly with the courts uh, shut down in a lot of places for, uh, for at least a, a, some period of time, maybe it does make sense to reduce enforcement of smaller scale crimes. I don't know how much you want to announce it to say to the world, hey, if you feel like doing that, like, this is like the minor league purge right now. You can't murder people. That that part's not okay. And rape and violent crime. But you know, most of these non-violent crimes of un, of considerable amounts of money, then you're hunky dory. And look, you know, people in a crisis situation will commit crimes that they otherwise might not. Right? We've seen the cases of some people getting into fights over toilet paper or or a bottled water in certain locations. And you know, like, look, we're going to need to keep public order. Yes, I have absolutely no problem with somebody deciding, all right, we're going to do a little less of this kind of, you know, this is not a normal time, we're not going to have normal law enforcement, but don't announce to the world that you're going to do it and letting everybody out, look, that maybe that's necessary for health circumstances. A lot of folks have pointed out prisons are not known for their terrific air circulation systems. Um, and other efforts designed to get you know the prisoners a lot of fresh air and to you know all that kind of stuff, but but in light of this, um, I, I look, it is very easy to see how a policy like this could have enormous problems. Right before this crisis began, we we're having issues with the bail system up in New York, and the idea that you're letting people who are uh, some of the people who were involved in those anti-Semitic attacks were being you know booked, charged, and then let out back on the streets you know, later that afternoon. Um, this is you know I hope Philadelphia knows what they're doing and the uh, early indications seem really, really ominous on this front.
1: Yeah, this is nuts. Like you said, the most amazing part of this is that they actually let this go public so people now know what these policies are. Uh, secondly, I think the best way to not f- be forced to inhale recycled air at the jails is to, you know, not commit crimes. And secondly, we just talked yesterday about all the blowback to Ohio for suspending its primary uh, with people saying, no, you can't do this. It uh, disrupts the system. It sets a terrible precedent. The process of our government must go forward. Well, that should include our courts and corrections as well. I mean, I don't want anybody to get coronavirus either, but when people commit crimes, they need to be adjudicated.
0: Yeah, as I said, I jokingly called this minor league uh, purge. We don't want this to turn into major league purge. People need to feel like the cops are still enforcing the laws. Okay. Let people go. You know, by the way, my understanding, as at least I saw a day or two ago, was that alternate side of the street parking was still in effect through most of New York City, Greg. Yes. Now, doesn't parking enforcement seem like the first thing you could let go (laughs) in a circumstance like this? Dear government, I realize this is a crisis. I realize you're feeling your way through this, but uh, can we show a little better judgment here? (laughs)
1: Yeah, better prioritization, I think, would be a a very good idea at this point. But uh, speaking of priorities, if you're a small business right now, your priority is staying afloat in many cases and having the cash uh, to do that. And while you might be waiting on some help from the government, uh, getting cash when you really need it is helpful. And Blue Vine is here to help because... They are pointing out something we've always known but is obviously true now. Running a business is filled with unexpected events that require sudden cash flow. BlueVine can help you secure cash fast. And the best part is applying online is easy and takes just a few minutes. So what's BlueVine? BlueVine is an easy, fast way to help support your business growth with a line of credit of up to $250,000.
0: Right now, all across the country, there are a lot of businesses that need a lot of money really fast. So whether you need money to offset upfront costs, to secure your inventory, to pay an unexpected expense, through BlueVine, you can help yourself and your business stay secure for any reason. There's no fee to set up your line of credit, and BlueVine never charges maintenance or prepayment fees. Applying is easy. Just go online to getbluevine.com martini, fill out a few simple details, and you're done with your application within a matter of minutes. Seeing an offer will not affect your credit score. And once you're approved, funds can be received as quickly as 24 hours. Have peace of mind knowing that funds can be drawn with the click of a button for any business expense. Blue Vine has helped more than 20,000 customers and has delivered more than
1: $2.5 billion dollars in funds to businesses. Bluevine also has advisors available by phone to answer any questions and help meet your business needs. Plus, with an A rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly five star review on Trustpilot, you can see why thousands of satisfied business owners have chosen Bluevine as their go to source for financing. And for listeners of the three martini lunch, Bluevine is offering a special limited time promotion of a $100 gift card when you take out a loan or open a line of credit with BlueVine. Go to getbluevine.com slash martini for more details. All you have to do is go to getbluevine.com slash martini and apply. It's quick, it's easy, and meaningful help to your business in as little as 24 hours. This promotional offer is subject to terms and conditions that can be found at getbluevine.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's get to our crazy turning good. Now back to crazy martini, and that is Bernie Sanders. Axios reporting this morning that Sanders was planning to suspend his presidential campaign. Then his staffers said, no, that's not the case. Then his wife came out and said, no, that's not the case. So it appears that Sanders is staying in. A lot of people, of course, want him to get out because he's gotten shellacked on three consecutive Tuesdays. He did win a few states on the original Super Tuesday, one North Dakota Last week, but lost a number of states to Biden, and then he was 0-3 against Biden on Tuesday of this week. Uh, Got absolutely crushed in Florida. Turns out that saying nice things about the Castro regime doesn't go over too well there, even among Democratic voters. Uh, Also got clocked in Illinois, and uh, Biden also won Arizona. So the delegate math is bordering on impossible now, given the proportional system the Democrats use. But uh, Sanders is apparently going to stay in. So, uh, Jim, what do you make of all this?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, apparently the, the current theory floating around online is that uh, Bernie Sanders has suspended his online advertising. Axios came across that information and misinterpreted it as a sign that the uh, campaign itself is ending. Um, this, you know, the, the, the primaries yesterday really felt like small potatoes in light of the coronavirus crisis the country is facing. Um, you know, yes, this was a real contest heading into Super Tuesday. Biden won most of where he needed to win that day. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders won California, and good for him on that. But uh, Biden took the lead. Uh, the what? not-so-Super Tuesday, Mediocre Tuesday, whatever you wanted to, you know, uh, call the states, including uh, Michigan last week, that was a pretty clear one. Uh, and then yesterday, this was, you know, uh, just a beatdown. And, you know, as we discussed yesterday— Every time a state chooses to hold a presidential primary right now, it is requiring lots of people to get together. They can try to practice social distancing as best they can and try to keep a safe distance from each other. But inevitably, you're going to have lots of people getting together, and a good portion of them will be senior citizens and elderly. Um, And it's just, you know, you're increasing the level of risk for everybody involved. A lot of states have already chosen to push back their primary. Uh, You know, Ohio, we mentioned yesterday, New York is considering this, uh, Georgia, Louisiana. um, But basically, everybody's contemplating this. A lot of states have two primary days, one for the presidential primary, which they wanted to have as early as possible to influence the outcome, and one for their Senate races, governor's races, House races, all the down ticket ballots later in the year. And interestingly, a whole bunch of them have their primaries after the Democratic National Convention. So in some states you really probably can't do that, uh, but if Bernie Sanders happens to drop out, well then all of a sudden whether we hold these presidential primaries is a lot less uh, important. And yeah, I guess I should put Tulsi Gabbard in this category too, folks. That's an out, That's the sound of me knocking on wood. Uh, you know, as long as Joe Biden gets to the convention, Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. I think it's time for Bernie Sanders to accept this. I think it's time for. Uh, Tilsey Gabbard to accept this. I think it's time for all of their supporters to accept this. Uh, And that, you know, because it it would be one thing, if if there was no public health risk, fine, go ahead, go through the whole primaries. Bernie Sanders could do the same thing he did last cycle, which was hold off on conceding defeat and formally endorsing Hillary Clinton until the absolute last moment uh, before the Democratic National Convention. This is a different set of circumstances. And I, I, one of the themes of the morning jolt today was the interesting question of if Bernie Sanders refuses to concede and if he insists upon going upon this whole process, you know, sl- you know at least marginally increasing the risk for uh, so many Americans as they continue to vote, how will Americans think of him? Right? You figure there are already a whole bunch of Democrats who are like, you know, Bernie Sanders, it's over, get over it. You're starting to be selfish. You're starting to be vanity. Um, you know, does, does he end up destroying his own reputation? And in the process, does he end up destroying the cause of socialism within the Democratic Party? Um, now, of course, some people are going to say, what do you mean we've got trillion-dollar bailouts and uh, <laughs> stimulus packages going through? But I don't think that's necessarily quite the same thing as socialism right now. I think this is government and business coming together in the middle of crisis. And, you know, it, 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 we're, what, we're witnessing the last, you know, acts of, of Bernie Sanders on the stage. And I think maybe it's a good point to raise the question of how do you want to be remembered, Bernie Sanders? Because... You know, Democrats are already kind of exasperated with you. You are really going to enrage them if you keep this going. Um, the indication that they did stop uh, online advertising is a sign that he does realize that uh, the, the writing is on the wall. Hopefully he comes up with this announcement in the next couple of days. As my Ramesh and my colleague, put, put it, Greg, at this point, like the best outcome of Bernie Sanders continuing to run is how much he's going to discredit the causes he believes in.
1: Yeah, it's a bigger decision, obviously, for Sanders. You mentioned Tulsi Gabbard. I would imagine, given her vote totals, that most folks either think she's already gotten out or never knew she was in. But uh, it's a little bit different for uh, Sanders, so we'll see what he ends up doing here.
0: And again, you know, this is a if if there was no health crisis, you could all just kind of you know shrug this off and say, fine, go ahead and do others. Look, the argument traditionally, for a candidate in this situation, is look, we know we're not going to win, but we're calling attention to the causes and the issues that we care about. Look. Until this thing is beaten, coronavirus is going to be story 1A in American life. He can say, oh, this is why we need Medicare for all, even though the CDC was you know, slow out of the gate in getting the, the tests and stuff like that. He can continue to demonize pharmaceutical companies and medical research companies, even though they're the ones we're counting on to create a right. vaccine. You know, like this is just this is not the right time and place, Bernie Sanders. Sometimes you just have to accept reality. And I think over time, you think we're exasperated with him. Talk to a Democrat these
1: days. Well, Jim, regardless of what uh, Bernie Sanders decides to do here, it's getting clear and clear that he's not going to be the Democratic nominee. And so one way or another, he's going to be out of there. And we're at the end today. So we're out of here. The home edition continues to work well, I think. So hopefully folks are enjoying it. And we're bringing some uh, information and levity uh, to a difficult time. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks to our two sponsors today. First of all, Acre Gold. Get slash martini, and also Bluevine, and the website there, of course, is GetBluevine.com/slash martini. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a kind review. Don't forget, you can listen to us on those home devices. All you have to do is say "Play Three Martini Lunch Podcast." We'll see you Thursday on the Three Martini Lunch.